Previously on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I'm fire slammer jammer till I die. I bleed red. This is a series of third scores. And if you have to suffer through being coached by Bill O'Brien, you might as well get paid. Houston needed to win one of these ugly games. It seems like he's dead coach walking. Man, I was watching beach volleyball in Sri Lanka. Hey, man, you're talking with a season ticket holder, man. You're about to piss me off. <laughs> Anytime Houston can do something to Dallas, that makes me feel real good. This team, if healthy, can play and can compete with anybody in Major League Baseball. 30 basketball teams and you put 16 in the playoffs. That's more than half the league. That's garbage. These athletes see, they remember, they know they're not going to push it under the rug and they're going to get it done. We believe in change and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. Let it go out there today, baby. Three. Two, one, and once again, two. our mighty ship is back on course. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Oh, Mama, there goes that man. You roll. Ladies and gentlemen, star of our show. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. I am so glad that you are here. This is going to be a fun episode, and I am glad that you are joining us. And if you are joining us for the first time, I'm going to run some things down to you and uh, a ways that you can go back and listen to the archives and be a part of the show and be interactive and be a part of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade community. It's an exciting time, so I'm excited. Because so much is going on. You have NBA playoffs, the U.S. Open on the women's side. I don't really care about the men. You have the NFL kicking off. There's so much going on. And you even had the Kentucky Derby in September. So all, all that stuff is going on. So there's a lot to talk about and a lot to see each and every day. Not even mentioning Major League Baseball. Just so much. And uh, we're excited about it, and hopefully you are as well. But before we get started, I want to give you a rundown of ways to stay interactive with the program. First and foremost, you can go to the WadesWordProductions.com website. That's WadesWordProductions.com. Put the .com on it. There you can find out all the things that I'm involved with. And, of course, you can go to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and see all of the uh, past episodes and listen to the archives. Of the episode. So if you want to catch up and get a sense of the energy and what we do here and what we have done over the life of the podcast, you can definitely do that. Also, if you want to call and ask a question or make a comment or complain or praise, whatever you want to do, you certainly can do that on the Sports Talk with Devin Wade Sports Line. That's 832 941 6614. 832 941 6614, leave a message 24 hours a day, and you might just get heard on the very next podcast. We certainly appreciate those ways that you guys interact and make yourself heard each and every time out. We really, really appreciate that. And finally, on social media, on Twitter at Wade's Word, W-A-D-E-S-W-O-R-D, and of course on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. Now, we post poll questions there from time to time, and a lot of folks share information. They brag about their favorite teams. Again, that's the Sports Talk with Devin 
Conway group on Facebook. So before I give you a rundown of what we're doing on this episode, if you want to pick with us, against us, I'm talking about some former pro athletes. Uh, Eddie Robinson will be in there. Pat Coleman will be in there. Uh, Haywood Jeffries will be in there. If you want to pick against the pros, <laughs> me included, I wasn't a pro player, but I'm a pro at what I do. You can go to the ESPN Pick'em and uh, join the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group. That group, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group. And then you can pick against us. And then I'm going to give away a trophy. It may not be a new trophy. It may not be a big trophy. But I'm going to the nearest pawn shop and I'm going to find a trophy. And if you win, you get that trophy. How about that? I'm telling you that that is all the incentive you need to join that. But this time out, and we're going to talk some football and get you all geared up for football season, which starts tomorrow, Houston Texans. So that's happening. And we'll get into that and we'll get into some football stuff. We start with a very serious conversation with somebody really important to me. It's my cousin, Dr. Alex Ossian. He is a cardiologist and not just a cardiologist. He's a damn good cardiologist. And you know how I know? Because I just know it. So we're going to talk some COVID and athletes playing sports after contracting COVID. Because there's some things going around that you may not have heard. And before you send your kids out to play football, maybe this conversation can shed some light on some of the things that are going on in or around COVID. And even if you aren't an athlete or know someone that's an athlete, the information may be of service. It may help you out. We certainly hope so. And that's why I'm doing it. Again, I'm in on this COVID thing big time. So that's coming up. Also, we are bringing back a segment that we ran years ago. It's called Why We Kneel. The Why We Kneel segment was done because Kalina decided that, hey, I'm not watching football anymore because of Colin Kaepernick. But she didn't want to just tell you about Colin Kaepernick. She wanted to tell you about the stories that led Colin Kaepernick to take a knee in the first place. Why We Kneel. It's very poignant and it's information on some of the victims of police brutality and injustice, racial injustice and all of those things. So this time out, she has a very special one. We're bringing this one back. She started this years ago and we got away from it. But she, in light of everything that's going on this football season, we're bringing that back. Why we kneel. And in addition to that, we have Terrence Harris, King T. We're going to get his NFL take and maybe a little bit of Rockets conversation as well. As far as the features, you know, we have features. If you've never listened before, we have features that break up the show and put a little spin on certain things. So just to give you a rundown of how that goes, we will get into some headlines. We will hear from Dr. Alex Ossian. We'll have that conversation. We will do why we kneel. We'll also have a mix from our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. And we'll tell you how to have your music played on this podcast as well. In the second half of the show, we will hear from King T, Terrence Harris. We will do a Lamont Award for the big dummy of the episode. And before I let go. So all of those things and more. So with that, let's get into to some headlines in headlines just watched the toronto raptors force the boston celtics into a game seven with a 125 122 double overtime victory and i tell you what i picked the raptors to win the NBA championship in the bubble. And this is this was after the bubble. And it wasn't at the beginning of the year. 
Certainly didn't pick them at the beginning of the year. But since they've been in the bubble, my prediction was Toronto would win it all. And if they do, it's just because you cannot underestimate the heart of a champ. This team was down 0-2 and .5 seconds away from going down 0-3. And then LG Ananobi hits a huge shot to win that game. They win game four, go to game five, get blown out, and in game six took to double overtime to force a game seven so uh, if they win it it'll be fate because these guys are getting it done without Kawhi, and you have a lot of talent there i'm not certain that this maybe they can get past miami but miami is really hot right now they're playing really good basketball and they just ran through milwaukee so uh, they await the winner of the celtics and the Raptors game seven for the Eastern Conference title. So that's coming up. Uh, as uh, it stands in the West, the Lakers lead the Rockets two games to one. And that game last night, it, I'll tell you what, the Rockets were in it until just in the fourth quarter. I thought uh, a couple things. Rajon Rondo was really the story of that fourth quarter. He was phenomenal in the fourth quarter. They didn't need LeBron James. LeBron James finished with 36, but he had 29 in the first half. So this was Rondo in the fourth quarter. He was uh, 8 of 11 shooting, 3 for 5 from three-point land, had 21 points, 9 assists. I mean, the guy was phenomenal in his, what, second game back in the bubble? So he's getting it done in a major, major way. Anthony Davis got 26 points. Rockets, they got points from the, the big guys. They got 30 from Westbrook, 33 from James Harden. But beyond that, you had Covington with 10 and Eric Gordon uh, with 10. And I think Jeff Green had a couple of key turnovers. Well, he had a turnover and a missed lay-in at a crucial point in that game where it may not have turned the tie, but it would have kept them in contention for a little bit long longer in that game. And then who knows what would have happened. Uh, but I thought without uh, Daniel House, he wasn't there. You just need that third guy that you can count on and last night the third guy really was Rajon Rondo uh, for the the Lakers Kuzma had 14 uh who else let's see and that was it for he had four guys in double figures the Rockets had four uh five guys in double figures with Jeff Green 16 Gordon with 10 and Covington with 10 I thought that the Lakers did a really good job of perimeter defense because even the looks that they got that the Rockets got on from three-point land uh were contested they ended up shooting 40 percent from three but it just it didn't come as easy as all of that and the Lakers were able to pull away but this is a series again Rondo's not going to give you that every night so you don't have to worry about him. Kuzma's not going to give you that every night. Uh, you just have to make sure one of these other guys don't do it. Uh, a Danny Green doesn't get hot from the perimeter or a Caldwell Pope. Or, or, or you, just, you don't need anybody else to really get hot and do what Rondo did. I don't know if Rondo can do that again or at least um, two more times in that series. So I, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens uh, in game four. That's tomorrow. But right now the Clippers seem to be handling Denver, but it's early on in that game. So a lot going on with that. Also, NFL season gets underway tomorrow. Hard to believe there's been virtually no build up to this. Not not any real buildup because – I think a lot of it is, and maybe this is a, uh, something for the NFL. You don't have 
a lot of widespread media access. You have your, your staples, but they are controlling the narrative with the media. So you don't have every single media outlet talking about them like you would usually if they had training camp. Because by, by this time, we would have talked about a month's worth of preseason games and cuts and all that. Didn't get any of that. No preseason. So we get started tomorrow. And I wanted to talk some football, and we will a little bit later on. Other things going on in and around uh, the world of sports. I mean, I, it's too much to get into. But I will tell you this. Billy Donovan out at OKC and uh, another coaching vacancy. And since I've come to you guys, Steve Nash is now the coach of the Brooklyn nets that could either be just a synergy beyond synergy or just a big new york style explosion <laughs> of personalities so i will have to see how that goes as a guy who's never coached steps in other than on the floor being a floor general one of the greatest point guards ever steve nash will take over there so other things that are, are going on in around the world of sports but we'll get into some of those things uh in another edition we will preview the nfl again probably saturday with another episode so with that gonna take a time out and come back on the other side with our conversation with dr alex Ossian talking about cardiology and covid you need to hear this. Some important stuff. This is the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Anywhere you get your podcast. Sports Talk with Devin Wade wants to thank our sponsor, Kofi Bankus and CoBank Homes. The vision at CoBank Homes is simple, and it stems from the belief that clients can trust CoBank to guide them to realize one of, if not the single largest investment decision they will ever make, their home. CoBank simply looks to build lifelong relationships through service. They do this by using faith, knowledge, and technology to guide clients through the process of achieving their real estate goals. Be it buying, selling, or investing in real estate, contact Kofi at 832-757-7950. That's 832-757-7950. CoBank Homes through Keller Williams. For more content, go to WaveWordProductions.com. It's Shelly Wade, and welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade. Welcome back to Sports Talk with Devin Wade Podcast. And as promised, going to shift gears here and talk about COVID and your heart. As many of you know, I have really been on this since the beginning, trying to get information out, dispel rumors and myths and all of those things. Try to get you guys some good expert people to give you information so we uh, can get through this collectively and you know, because I have listeners literally from all over the world mostly coast to coast here in the United States I want to make sure that I tell as many people in many places uh, what I do what I can to get back to regular football and basketball without the bubble I mean right now we should have had the Labor Day Classic I would have called a game for Texas Southern over the weekend I miss football I miss all of these things but with that in mind uh, sometimes family in this podcast intersect now you know Biscuit is part of the special teams unit he hadn't been on lately but you know early on he was on every episode but not only him now I'll get to involve my cousin 
Dr. Alex Ossian. He is a general cardiologist and he sees patients with all forms of heart disease. But in addition to that, he is the director of the Cardiology Fellowship Training Program at the University of Illinois at Chicago College of Medicine. I had to practice reading that just to get all that information in. Well, but he's married to my, my first cousin. I'll tell you what, if you can get a cardiologist in the family, you can't beat that. With the illnesses that my parents had gone through, uh, fighting cancer, I could always call him 24 hours a day and he would answer questions and give me any information that he could to help. It was a huge, huge help. Even just, just hearing from an expert that wasn't the experts that were on the case. It was my own private second opinion and I will forever be grateful to him for what he did for me just to know that he would answer. And I had a ton of questions because I, you know, I listened to everything and I wanted to follow up and make sure that my mother especially was getting the best treatment she could. And he was there the, every step of the way by phone. So he and his wife, Gita, uh, and his lovely daughters, also my cousin, Tara and her husband Jason is up there, Nolan, and they're all in, in the Evanston area. So, and Uncle Andrew, of course. So, a shouts out to my family on that end. But again, we had a, a very important conversation, and here is uh, our talk about COVID and the heart. First and foremost, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing well. And I want to ask about the girls and Gita. How's the family? They're all right. They're starting online school. And after a week and a half, they seem to be figuring it out. And Uncle Andrew, Tara, Jason, how, how's everybody in, in, in that part of the world doing? Uh, pretty good. Hanging in. Still trying to sort out the new reality with uh, school and work and so on, trying to figure out how to still see each other and maintain some contact. But I think we're, we're hanging in there. Well, hey, that's wonderful to hear, and I'm glad to hear about that. So not only are you a cardiologist, you are also the director of the Cardiology Fellowship Training Program at the University of Illinois at Chicago College of Medicine. That's a mouthful, and that's not even including all of the alphabets that are behind your name. So before we get started with the COVID stuff and the very serious part of the conversation, I want to ask you, as you train cardiologists, we always assume the cardiologists are the just every one of them is just supreme, awesome, the best there is. What about the cardiologist that's not so good, like the one at the bottom of the class? What do you do about <laughs> what do you do about that cardiologist? How do you handle that? Oh boy, uh, that's a humbling question. Um, <laughs> well, you know, we've all been in some version of uh, being challenged or struggling, and people who are working in medicine or cardiology, they suffer some of the same frustrations and have the same kind of bad days or the same strengths and weaknesses as everybody else. And people who have made it to this point, they've gone through college and med school and some internal medicine training for a few years, and they've all done pretty well to get to where they are. So we know that they've got tons of potential and that they'll work hard. So I think the biggest thing we can do is listen, support them, make sure that they're okay, and then figure out a plan for uh, 
people that have a tough transition to being a specialist cardiologist. And, you know, I think we should always make sure we give people a chance, whether they've been working at this for a long time or a short time and just figuring it out. So it's hard work, but in the end, I think it can really um, forge some great relationships and turn out to be um, a great investment in everybody's time in the long run. Well, see, in my twisted sense of thinking, I said, okay, well, we know that pretty much, you know, all cardiologists are well-qualified, prepared, all that good stuff. But somebody somewhere in the world has to be the worst cardiologist on the planet. And I just, <laughs> I just wonder, like, who is that guy or, or lady for that matter? So that aside, let's get to something very serious. And I have been on this for quite a while as it pertains to COVID because the narrative has been painted that if only the old and the sick and those with pre-existing conditions are really affected by, in the long term, by COVID. And we don't know that to totally be true. And then, lo and behold, uh, earlier this month, the Penn State University uh, School's Director of Athletic Medicine, uh, it was reported that he said that 30 to 35 percent of those who had COVID had a condition called myocarditis. Now, again, since then, that's sort of been cleaned up a little bit. But let's start with the basic question. Does COVID have an effect on your cardiac health? Oh, for sure. And the things that we do know like you said, are primarily so far linked to information from the first wave of patients that were taken care of and uh, studied carefully. Uh, And you're right, they were an older group of patients who had more medical conditions. Uh, And we know that COVID affects the heart in a number of ways. There's an estimate in that initial group that maybe a quarter or a fifth, you know, 25, 20% of patients have some kind of heart involvement, and it tends to be in a few major categories. They either have abnormal heart rhythms, they can have blood clotting problems in their cardiovascular system, they can have increased risk of heart attack or heart attack-related events, or they can have problems with the heart muscle like myocarditis, which is an inflammation of the muscle in the heart, or weakness of the muscle of the heart where they have... uh, something called heart failure, where the heart is acutely weak as a side effect. You, do we know, is there a percentage, uh, Have any? has anyone calculated a percentage of those who may be affected by any of those conditions? Yeah, I, I can't speak to the breakdown, and some people may have more than one, in fact. But this is definitely uh, an understanding that's evolving and in motion. You know, month to month, we learn more and understand a little more. But The one thing that we don't clearly know yet is the patients who are younger and may end up being less symptomatic or even asymptomatic, we don't really know about what happens to the heart in those patients. The ones that come into the hospital, the ones that are symptomatic, more sick, we do a lot of studies on them, a lot of workups, so we find things. But on younger, more asymptomatic patients that are, you know, spending more time kind of self-quarantined not necessarily getting a full uh, medical workup. We still have a lot to learn about what happens to those patients overall and from a cardiac standpoint. So you and I were talking about the article, it's the initial article about the Penn State Director of Medicine for the Athletic Department and how that's sort of been walked back a little bit. Can you kind of walk us through the initial report and a little bit of the cleanup? Yeah. This stems from a paper earlier in the summer that a lot of people reacted to 
so I can give my understanding of it. The there was a paper from Germany that was published in a, the cardiology version of the Journal of the American Medical Association, in July, and they took a hundred patients who had MRIs of their heart after being sick with COVID, and that's you know relatively sick. And then they compared them their MRI scans with healthy volunteers and some patients that are what we call controls that have a match of risk factor and uh, comorbid conditions and age. And their comment in the end after they took a look was that there was a pretty high percentage of patients that had some kind of abnormality in their cardiac MRI. And that really alarmed people quite a bit. But within a handful of weeks, there was uh, a lot of commentary among cardiologists, uh, uh, really on Twitter is where I saw it, where they went through the statistics and found that a lot of the arrangement of the data and the way it was presented had flaws. So this paper was corrected later on in August. There were some big questions about whether this type of alarming effects on the heart seen on a on a really sensitive study like an MRI would actually turn into a, a real concern. But that was one thing that got a lot of people talking. The other thing was some conversations within the Big Ten, and certainly the Pac-12 and the Big Ten announced in early August that they were going to postpone sports for the fall. But the Penn State comment sounds like it, from what I've read, it sounds like it was discussion of unpublished data that was presented within some of the committee meetings when the Big Ten made their decision. And it comes from some Ohio State data, in fact, uh, about athletes with myocarditis. There's a New York Times piece that describes this, and I think the initial number was more in the 13 to 15% range, and that wasn't even MRI specifically. It was really of athletes that have symptoms of myocarditis, like chest pain, most of all. And the Penn State comment was it was a 30, 35% of athletes can have myocarditis, which got a lot of people's attention. And then, as you mentioned, within a couple of days, they clarified that, that that he overstated the percentage. But really, the intersection here is that we don't really know the viral effects of COVID in this group because we haven't done a lot of testing on this group. But we also don't know because a lot of these athletic programs for so many reasons, they haven't been fully transparent about their numbers. So it's hard to kind of know the the total percentage um, or the numerator and denominator of the number of athletes and the way that they're organizing their their findings. Um, But one reason why myocarditis in athletes is a concern is because uh, it's been linked to past cases of sudden death on the field, myocarditis. It's always been around. And you know, these are uh, people who are exercising at a high level. Uh, and if you've got some inflammation in the muscle of the heart, which is what myocarditis is, myo means muscle, card is heart, and itis means inflammation. You know, these these Division One and, and even professional athletes that are exercising at a really high level, if there's some leftover or residual inflammation in their heart, they could get uh, a dangerous heart arrhythmia. And that that's really what's driving a lot of this uh, concern is the overlap of these numbers, the conditioning and strenuous exercise and training of the athletes, and um, the fact that there is a a small precedent, but a a known one, 
that myocarditis can happen even before COVID and lead to uh, serious uh, complications for athletes on the field, even death in some cases. So if a, I'll say student athlete or a professional athlete, if they're diagnosed with this, is does this necessarily mean in the career or maybe they need to be treated and the inflammation can be corrected maybe the arrhythmia may be corrected and they may be able to get back on the fields of play at some point yeah there's been some comments from people within uh, uh the american college of cardiology and other sports cardiology collections of uh, experts within national organizations, and they restated a lot of what's already kind of known about um, how athletes can handle this kind of um, situation, and, you know, and they scale it as you might expect. So those who are asymptomatic and don't carry a lot of risk and they're well because they're athletes, they really just need to kind of self-isolate, make sure they don't infect anyone else, and if they're asymptomatic, uh, they can, when they're feeling well, and they've been beyond, you know, 14 days or so, they can start to work back to um, to training. Those who have um, mild or worse symptoms, and that can be a real spectrum of fevers, chest pain, shortness of breath, etc., that seem linked to the virus, um, they should really undergo a cardiac evaluation with a, a physical exam, a conversation with a physician, an EKG, some blood work. An MRI is really saved for people who have abnormalities in some of those initial workup criteria. And then if all that stuff looks normal, then they can consider a slow return. But if they've got some evidence for some abnormalities, then they've got to wait, you know, three to six months and then repeat that same process and then decide. So three to six months of losing conditioning and losing some game day timing and rhythms and so on, that can be, um, you know, a tough decision, especially if a scholarship rides on it or, you know, there's all sorts of uh, professional incentives within the major leagues. And, you know, when you look at that entire situation, it's a, a tough situation for parents. And before I, I, well, I want to get into that part of it, but I want to ask you first, for the non-athletes, how much have you seen this present itself since COVID has is, is hit the scene uh, as a treating physician? Yeah, so I, I, I take care of patients uh, within kind of the uh, central and southern part of the uh, city of Chicago. And uh, a lot of our patients uh, that came in, came in the springtime when we had the uh, initial high surge of cases. Uh, and we had to, you know, expand the hospital, convert parts of it to ICUs. We had to find ventilators and PPE, all the things that you hear about, read about the different parts of the country have experienced in, in, uh, in, in similar ways, but in uh, different time frames from one another. The specific heart-related things were often found in the way we described when we started the conversation. So patients who are sickest and had uh, older age and other health problems were the ones who were most affected by the heart because they were affected in multiple organ systems, uh, not just the heart. And that was just one of many. I took care of uh, fewer of those patients, but I certainly read as an imaging specialist, I read all kinds of ultrasounds and MRIs. Um, and things like that in those patients. The one asterisk I'd put on the MRI knowledge in my experience is that, you know, when, when things were so busy and crazy, we really shut down 
the MRI program, looking at the heart because it was such a difficult process to decontaminate the machine and transport the patient safely around the hospital if they were contagious. And in the early days, we really had limited testing about being able to isolate well. And so we really didn't get a lot of MRI type scans on patients in the early phase, but we did get plenty of ultrasounds. And, you know, we saw a spectrum, as you might imagine. We saw some patients had weakened heart function, Uh, As a result, some patients came in with heart attacks that may have just been incidentally triggered perhaps by COVID. We saw a lot of heart rhythm problems that could be managed and treated with medication. So a majority of the patients got through their illness, but certainly, you know, many Many didn't make it for heart and many other reasons. So we, I think many uh, of the things that people read about around the country that were happening to doctors and nurses and, and patients, uh, we experienced versions of that here in Chicago in a similar way. Okay, so now I won't, put, I won't directly put the pressure on you about Big Ten football yet, but let's start with Texas high school football. What do you tell a parent who has a kid that wants to play should they feel comfortable in allowing the kid to play and and again let's assume that all safety measures are taken but obviously nothing has fail safe with this with this disease what do you tell a parent about allowing their kid to play high school football yeah that's a that's a really hard question i don't know if i have an expert answer for you but it doesn't exist the the couple of things that i'll say that that are a little bit of a a dodge of that question, but I think are the only way to think about it. Number one, risk is not binary, uh, which I think a lot of people know, but you have to think about, you know, reducing risk. It's It's not absent or present. You know, there's not no risk or full risk. You've got to scale it back as much as you can with all the different things that we know. You know, we've talked about washing hands and wearing masks and separating as best we can physically and so on. And so, uh, you know, athletic programs, schools, et cetera, are, are trying to find innovative ways to do this. And the other thing that stands out is really the viral spread and uh, the community prevalence of the disease. You know, in some communities, it's much lower. So the transmission that's likely to happen when people are together, whether it's a, a team on the field, a team training, you know, someone at church, someone at work, you name it, some rates of, of spread and of the disease in the community are much, much lower than others. So the f- lower the risk in the community, the lower the risk going to be with sports that take place in that community. I've got two daughters that uh, are swimmers, lacrosse players, soccer players, and we've really had to figure out how to negotiate what we feel safe uh, with them doing because each sport's a tiny bit different. The setting it takes place, the contact that people have, but the uh, all the organizations in Illinois have really uh, taken their cues from the state's guidelines. So ideally, the the various states, you know, Texas would uh, be issuing some guidance to uh, localities about how to handle these kind of decisions. But gosh, it's a hard one. And depending on the level and the intensity, you know, Texas high school football is one thing. My third grader playing uh, soccer on a non-travel team is another. So yeah, I don't have great advice other than to say that, you know, the kinds of things that make up the criteria are, they're going to be pretty similar across the board about the health health and spread in the community, the fact that people have to realize that there's just some uncertainty and some risk you can minimize, but not completely take away. And then the fact that there there are a lot of 
cues and rules that hopefully are responsibly put together within the state or the city about how to handle these things. And the final question I'll ask you, look, you're in Big Ten country, you're Big Ten fan. That's a political firestorm where you see even the presidential candidates stepping into that lane and trying to get involved or control a narrative around the Big Ten not playing football right now. A, was that the right decision? <laughs> and B, would you, when would you like to see him return? I mean, either as a fan or as a cardiologist, what's your, what's your take on? Because again, it's a now it's political. It's not just about say, health and safety. It is really the, a political firestorm because you have billions of dollars at stake when you talk about college football. Sort of, what, what's your take? How can you? How do you navigate your opinion in this whole situation? Yeah, I mean, I, I see it with so many kind of different hats on or so many different parts of my, my life all kind of coalescing together. Yeah, my, uh, my, my Twitter feed is, you know, some cardiology and some Ohio State football. So uh, it's a funny mix that it, they've come together in this way in the last uh, handful of months. But, you know, I'm always going to err on safety. It is only a game. And uh, if there are ways to wait, and plan for uh, ways to do it to increase safety. I think that's, I think that's what we should try to aim to do. The fact that the pandemic has exposed so many parts of our society that were always under the surface it shows itself in this in this frame. Uh, you know how universities and athletics interact, and all the money involved, and you know the health of the athletes versus the um, the money involved in uh, coaching and contracts and networks and you know TV licensing I mean it's infinitely complex and I you know I think about how hard it's been for the elementary and middle school administrators in our own school district here in Illinois who are trying their hardest to, to work through a, a really an impossible problem the teachers the administrators, and it's only amplified dozens of times at the uh, at the com major conference um, level when it comes to a sport like football. So it, I would uh, say that I, I miss it. I was excited for this season, and uh, you know, I, Ohio State's pretty stacked this year, so it's something I was looking forward to. But I'm going to stay positive and and trust that they'll find a way to do the right thing when there really probably isn't a right thing to do. You know, I think it's just, it's such a hard situation for all these things when they come together. But I, you know, I feel for the, um, I feel for the, the people that are trying to solve this in the best interest of the health of the athletes. Uh, it seems like that's what in the end governed their decision. And I think that's probably the, the right thing. Finally, you know, and I know I said that was the last question, but what are your Bears going to do at quarterback? You go and get, like, you had Cam out there, but you go get Nick Foles, and now it still looks like it's going to be Trubisky starting. What, what's going on at quarterback in Chicago? Uh, <laughs> uh, that is that the hardest question you asked me? Um, yeah, I, I just saw that, you know, it, it, it wasn't just last season when there was all the uh, backstories the oral history of the draft, you know, with uh, Mahomes and uh, Trubisky and the, all of the general manager, general manager's office that are now since gone and so on. And that was just in the in all the papers just last year. And here we are with uh, Foles coming in, who's had such a history of jumping in and succeeding. 
Who knows, man? Who knows? But uh, uh, I'll think optimistically. Hey, man, well, I certainly appreciate the time. Give Uncle Andrew, the, your wife, and the girls my best. And, uh, hey, we'll talk to you soon. And uh, we'll see if we can figure this thing out. And if I need to ask you a couple more questions, I hope I, I can uh, get you on speed dial. Oh, uh, you bet. Really happy to talk about this anytime and do the best I can to sort out answers. And best wishes to all of you in, uh, in Texas as well. Want to thank Dr. Alex Ossian. Great conversation, man. Just a brilliant guy. And you see how you see how I worked in the family stuff at first. So you guys got to witness firsthand me checking on the family. So <laughs> hey, two birds and one stone. That's what we do. It's easy to be humble around a guy like Alex because I tell you what, I can talk about my tens of thousands of listeners on my various platforms and on the podcast and all of that stuff. But this dude saves lives. Like, for real. Like, he really, yeah, that's a real thing. Yeah, that's, that's a remarkable thing. I couldn't do it. I mean, hey, I'm, I was out of the game in high school biology. I, I know, I know, I'll tell you when I was out of the game. Uh, senior year anatomy. Hey, I was out of the game. <laughs> but I'm glad we have him, and I'm sure his patients are as well. With that, I want to change pace and go to the Why We Kneel segment. Now, it's very important to me, and it was very important to Kalina. That's why she came up with it. It's a way for us to express ourselves. And for me, I wanted to put it on the podcast because I'm not going to boycott the NFL. And I've gone into those things for various uh, reasons in the past. Uh, but that's my job to cover uh, the NFL and talk about sports and I mean, that's the game I'm in. That's the life I have chosen, so to speak. But what I can do is use uh, this platform and others to illuminate uh, the need for us to work on these issues, inspired by, of course, Colin Kaepernick. And he got the ball rolling in the world of sports and, and in this iteration, the way we see it today. But I wanted to use this platform to uh, let us think about some things in hopes that we all work towards a more perfect union and make this the country that it promises to be for all Americans, especially those in the African-American community. We need to fix this stuff, and we need to fix it bad, you know, in the worst way. And for the first time, we're pulling back sort of the uh, the cover and we're getting a real look at some of the things that we haven't examined and i mean all of us in ways that we haven't examined previously here is why we kneel feeling the chilling moments that led to a police officer shooting me ultimately is to bring awareness and make people colin kaepernick kneeling to protest social injustice and police yet unsigned by any nfl team why we kneel on may 25th 2020 george floyd went to his regular grocery store to buy cigarettes the store attendant believed that the 20 dollars bill floyd gave was a counterfeit and demanded floyd return the cigarettes he refused the attendant called the police about the money and the incident describing floyd as appearing quote drunk and, quote, not in control of himself. Two officers arrived and ordered Floyd to get out of the car. Once Mr. Floyd exited the car, they arrested him and attempted to place him in their police car. After telling the officers that he was, quote, claustrophobic, Officer Derek Chauvin arrived on the scene and attempted to assist in putting Floyd in the car. 
Officer Chauvin pulled Floyd from the passenger side of the police car. Floyd fell face down on the ground. It was here Officer Chauvin placed his left knee on the neck of George Floyd for 7 minutes and 46 seconds. Six minutes into this restraint, Floyd became unresponsive. A pulse was checked for and not found. He was taken to a medical center and pronounced dead an hour later. On June 3rd, Officer Derek Chauvin was charged with second-degree murder, and the other three officers on the scene were charged with aiding and abetting second-degree murder. George Floyd's death has reignited something in our country. The years of apathy, exhaustion, hopelessness, and cynicism have manifested into renewed actions for change. We've seen hundreds of thousands protest, some for months, strikes, boycotts, the resurgence of the phrase Black Lives Matter in the mainstream, everywhere from blackout days on social media to professional sports. And years after Colin Kaepernick, we kneel again. This NFL season, Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast will celebrate the life, mourn the death, and demand justice for African-American men and women who have been injured or killed because of police negligence and brutality. George Floyd was a father, described as a gentle spirit who loved people and exceedingly generous. He was 46 years old, and he is why we kneel. Devin Wade podcast on the mix. Our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Want to remind you guys if you have music you want heard on the podcast, just hit us up. Music at wadeswordproductions.com. The genre doesn't matter. All that matters is uh, we prefer it be radio edit, uh, but any kind of music we'll take. We'll play a snippet at the halfway point and an extended portion of a song or a whole song or an extended portion of a mix at the end of the program. With that, it's time to bring in our guy King T, Terrence Harris, to talk some NBA and NFL and whatever else comes up. King T is back again with the new topic. King T back in the building. Our guy Terrence Harris from Houston Defender. How are you this afternoon? 
Yo, yo, what's going on, man? I'm doing well. How you doing? Good. And let me tell you what I'm doing, why I had you on. And I mean, I want to have you on for a longer visit, but not today, because as we get ready for the NFL season, which almost nobody really saw coming. I, I mean, I personally, I didn't think it would come to fruition exactly and we still don't know how this thing is going to go but the nfl is full steam ahead there's a lot of things that i don't think are disclosed but nonetheless we're here at the point we're on the eve of the kickoff of the nfl season and because guys like eddie robinson they'll give me a pick and then they'll come back months later and say well wait a minute i'm not sure i said that so now i'm getting you guys on the record on the podcast for everybody <laughs> to see so let's get some nfl predictions in and uh, see what you think about the nfl season now again i will say this i'll qualify myself i, I have not done the research i would normally do at this point of the year because of covid so with that in mind how do you think the houston texans will do this season People keep us. Will, will the Texans win win the uh, AFC South again this year? Yes. Will they make the playoffs? Of course. Uh, the problem is, is you know, and I think that they may be a little bit better overall. I, mean, I think they improved. They they made some improvements to the defense. If JJ Watt can stay healthy, you know, I like that linebacker core. I think with Zach, and I, I just think that those guys are going to keep getting better, right? And I think you know, having the young, the two young guys, uh, the two draft picks. And it'll help help the defense. I mean, I think that you know they're going to help make that defense a little a little better. I mean, I'm not going to say they're going to make a huge jump from last year when, you know, they were ranked like 28, 29, and 30th in, in, in those key categories. I mean, you know, but I think that they're going to be better. And I, you know, and here's a team that did pretty well last year offensively. I mean, yeah, they lose D Hop, they, they lose a, a you know a, a thousand yard rusher. But I think that what they got in, in return is that they have more bodies, more people who are capable of making plays. So you don't have just the, the D-hop thing anymore. You got Brandon. You, you know, you, you have uh, Steels. You know, you got Fuller. You, you know, so you, you got a, a full house, of, a nice compliment to guys. And then, of course, we know Deshaun's going to be better. Well, here's, problem what I, they, but, here's, the problem, here's the problem that they face, though. It's Kansas City and, and Baltimore right now. It's just bad timing. It's bad timing. The two best teams, I think, in the NFL right now are sitting on the AFC side, and they're better than everybody else by a long by a long shot. Here's what I'll say, and I'm less optimistic about the Texans season than you are because a lot of things have to go right. You bring in a guy like Brandon Cooks, who's only had like five concussions, four of them in the last 18 months or something like that. Then you bring in a guy like David Johnson, who, again, has had a history. When healthy, great. But he's had a history of injury. So, again, you're dealing with a lot of issues that have to go right for you offensively. Furthermore, I think in that division, Jacksonville will probably be in the Trevor Lawrence sweepstakes. So they're out of it. That's two automatic wins. But what do you think Indy is going to do with Phillip Rivers? And then Jadavion Clowney joins a, Titan te- a Titans team. And then Ryan uh, Tannehill will take that offense from the from the beginning of the season and not take over for a guy like Marcus Mariota, I think both of those teams could have an opportunity to win this division if Phillip Rivers doesn't turn over the football. At the end of the day, this is a quarterback-driven league. Deshaun Watson is 10 times better than any of those guys. Ryan Tannehill, versus where the hill and should be done. That brother should still be the quarterback. I'm sorry. It should not be for the <laughs> This is a joke. I mean, that, that guy, he played his way out of the he, he didn't. He didn't voluntarily leave San Diego. He got booted. 
You what, know, because yeah. he, he's he, it's only so much he, he you've seen that act. I mean, it's a wrap. I mean, this guy is, is he has diminished skills. The best quarterback in this division by far is Deshaun Watson, and because of that, I think that you know right now the Texans are the best team in the AFC South by far. I don't think that's I don't even think that's a debate. I and well, I'm not a wait a minute. And, I, and, and, and you know, I'm not a Texas Okay, fan. but look at how Derrick Henry ran over them. Like, I mean, again, they didn't have as much on the line, but again, that team ran over everybody, and they made that playoff run, and now they're only better because again, now you start the season with Ryan Tannehill. Now you get a, a premier pass rusher and Javion Clowney. I, I just think yeah, you, you get a premier pass rusher that nobody wanted. Nobody wanted at the price. Nobody he wanted. wanted. He, too, he, too, he signed a one-year deal. Trust me, it's because it's a, it's a book out on this guy. It ain't no <laughs> that's not that. it. He over. Look, he just fired his agent. He no, thought he overpriced <laughs> himself that much. That's not what it is. You know what it is? What is it? He's inconsistent. He's inconsistent, and people know it. And that's what he's not worth the money that he he, he wanted. Well, yeah, he overvalued Nobody was going to get – what people have talked about kind of behind the scenes on today, today beyond is that his, he's just not that guy. I mean, he he's that guy that – I mean, he's not a consistent double-digit sacks kind of guy. Yeah, but he's a he's he look. I've been defending him on the radio show here in Houston for years because no, he won't. He don't. He he'll never have the JJ White numbers. But but he is a a great run stopper. He is. He's. I mean, again, I think people because of where he was picked and the hype behind him. That's not what you pay for for for, for, uh, defensive end. You want a guy that can get to the quarterback. That's the name of the game. So we we they got they got line they got linebackers for that. Well, we will table. We will table that, and that's one of the storylines you and I personally will circle to follow the success of Jadavion Clowney this year. Because I'm telling you, I think he'll have a great year. What that means, I don't want to quantify that in numbers, but it means something. So that's a, that's a side bet for you and I. I want to ask you, you: you already mentioned Baltimore and the Chiefs in the AFC. So, which one of the two will go to the Super Bowl? Good question. I mean, I'm gonna go ahead. And I'm gonna pick the Ravens this year. I, I'm gonna pick the Ravens, but knowing that they sit in the division with my favorite team by far, the Cleveland Browns, who I really hope can knock the, the Ravens off. Yeah. But but, but 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 let's just say that don't happen. Just say it don't happen. But then that's why I think the Ravens are maybe they may. I'm, I'm predicting them to be able to make that next step. Although, I mean, you just man that that offense that the Chiefs have. And like how they walked these guys down from that 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 twenty four point deficit, I mean, and they did that. You, you have to wrap your mind around the fact that they did that throughout the freaking playoffs last year. They spotted teams, and then they walked them down. I mean, Mahomes and and, and those weapons he has. So I mean, I think it's going to come down between those two again. I don't really know which one, but I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead because I just love Jackson. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and pick. You know the the Ravens to to get over that hump this year, but those are the two best teams in the NFL. Well, and we'll talk about the NFC in just a second. But one last AFC question: Want to ask you about uh, the situation? Well, the dark horse in the AFC is it going to be maybe the Pittsburgh Steelers with a healthy Ben Roethlisberger back, or New England with Cam Newton leading the way? Which do you have a dark horse in the AFC? The Cleveland Browns. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> why? With the, why? Weapons, why? With, with, the, with the weapons we have, with the weapons of the day, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm talking like I'm on the team. 
you know, when you look at the receivers that the Browns have, they, they, you know, they got two of the best running I mean, they probably got the best one-two punch in the backfield of, of anybody with, with, with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. I think Baker's going to be better. I think we're going to see more of the first-year Baker, not last-year Baker, because they got a better head coach who, who's better at preparing his quarterback. And I think that you know, they're going to put Baker in better situations with Odell Beckham. That offensive line has improved. Defensively, they've gotten better. So I like the Cleveland Browns to, to, to finally break through and, and make the playoffs and, and, and maybe get some people a little, a little scared this season. So I'm, I'm going with the Cleveland Browns. And I'm, I'm saying that, I mean, you know, I'm saying that with a you straight face. You're saying it with your chest, huh? <laughs> yeah. You, you I, mean I that, that huh? man. I'm telling you. Well, you know what? I'll take it easy on your hometown team. Let's shift gears because, I mean, those are all great discussions that we can have as, as the season progresses because I'm interested to see because aside from really the quarterback, you have to love all their offensive weapons. And uh, I have to take well, – we'll have to talk about off the air uh, the Odell Beckham, uh, why he was trending on Twitter the other day. Pretty, pretty. Man, hope, <laughs> hey, man, listen, listen. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that man like to do in his bedroom is his business, all right? <laughs> hey, man. I, I mean, I love to ask you, well, how'd you ever figure that out? That's that's gross. You know that's gross, right? You know, but, hey, man, as long as you're catching the ball, I don't give a s**t <laughs> you're <laughs> Well, that's the pun intended, I I, I think, on that. Right. <laughs> <But> so, <laughs> so, let's talk about the NFC. Of course, look, San Francisco looks unbeatable, but there are other teams that, that stand out there. You look at a situation where Seattle is getting better. Now you add Jamal Adams to that defense. Uh, they have some help. Maybe Josh Gordon can contribute if he can get his act together and get reinstated by the league. Also, a team in Arizona, not that they're Super Bowl contenders, but maybe they can upset the apple cart. You had DeAndre Hopkins on that offense. You have Kyler Murray, second year, getting going. Uh, what do you think about the NFC? Well, I mean, I definitely think that the, the San Francisco is the, is the team to beat in the NFC. And I, I, don't, I don't really see anybody challenging them right now. Not even not even Seattle, to be honest with you. I, I think that, you know, Seattle's done some nice things, always kind of stay in the conversation. But I, I think right now this is San Francisco's time. I can't even have a serious conversation about the Cardinals because I I don't believe in their head coach, who I, who's a guy who got fired from his alma mater in college and a couple months later got hired in the NFL. I don't know where they do that at. Um, right, you know, right, right, so, right, right. Well, yeah, he's I mean, the quarterback know, so, whisperer, so that, I guess. So I mean, that's what. They, yeah, well, I mean, yeah. If that's all, if, that, if you think that that's all you need, need that, that's all you need to do to be a head coach. I mean, come on now. I don't see them. You know, do anything, but I, I think uh, the Saints still gotta kind of be in the conversation. What and, about you know, Tampa? And, 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 what and, and, about and, Tampa? And, and that's the other thing, and that's what I was about to say. You can't with, with Tom Brady. We're about to find out whether Tom Brady really is, is that good, or if it was Belichick's system. Well, he's kind of old too, though. He's like fifty years he's, old, he, so he's not yeah, at he's, his he's physical prime. Old, but, but, but but keep in mind, I mean, you know, he, you know, they were still, you know, I mean, they were still, a t- you know, he was still Tom Brady last season. 
So I don't know. I mean, they, they've gotten some help for me. I think he has better. Oh, he know, has. Uh, for the first time, run. and Kevin Allen said this, for the first time he has a full arsenal uh, at his disposal. When you talk mm-hmm. about what – and don't sleep on Leonard Fournette, who they, they cannot stack the box on Leonard Fournette like they did in Jacksonville. Nobody's nobody's afraid of Gardner Minshew. Uh, but now you put Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on the outside, and then you have a, a couple of really nice tight ends. I'm telling you, man, they're going to be lanes for Fournette. I think that is a – underrated oh, yeah. signing for them. Yeah, definitely. And this reminds me, I was in Kansas City uh, when Joe Montana came over to the Chiefs. And and I, I covered them for a little bit back in the early 90s. And this reminds me of that, that situation so much. But I think that even even now, I think Tom Brady has more weapons available to him than Joe Montana had in Kansas City. I mean, you know, hell, they, they were leaning on the old Marcus Allen still at that point. You know, as a, as a running back and and, you know, Willie Davis, who was a, a practice squad receiver, came in and made some plays. I mean, but that's what Joe, Joe had to work with. I was at this that game. Had, I was on the sideline yeah. for that game. Yeah, Horrible so this memory. Dude has some, yeah, this dude got some, some all pros, you know, the Pro Bowl guys who, who are going to be able to help him out. So I think that, you know, Tom, don't sleep on Tom, but we're about to find out how good Tom still is or if he really ever was – that guy, or if, you know, but I, I just feel like it's Belichick's system because, like I told somebody, you know, a while ago, I said, Bill seemed to always still win when Tom wasn't available. We haven't seen Tom win without Bill, though. Well, we'll find out. We'll see what he has left in the tank first and foremost. So I want to ask, got to ask you about the Dallas Cowboys. I have to ask you about them. We're in Texas. What are your thoughts, uh, Dak? Uh, what is what are they going to do? They added a, a receiver, a rookie receiver in the draft, and they're trying to open things up and make it a Dak team instead of a Ezekiel Elliott team. What what's your take? Well, I think that once again, I mean, like my my, my issue there is is that I think Dak is, is I don't know that Dak is a superstar quarterback. I think Dak is kind of a, a system guy who can take advantage of his weapons, and and I think you have to have balance for him to be successful. You have to be able to, you know, you you if you line him up and tell him, hey, you tell the defense every time Dak is about to throw, they're gonna pick him apart. You know, I mean, I think Ezekiel Elliott to me is still the key to that offense, and and you know, there's Zeke and you know, Zeke can still be Zeke. Uh, you know, and that offensive line holds up. I mean, you know, the Cowboys might, you know, they they, they, they should have been a conversation. I mean, I think that they they could definitely win, you know, their division. Well, they got a better coach now, Mike McCarthy. So I think he's better than Jason Garrett. Uh, I think by and large, and, and actually running that team. So there, there are other teams we didn't get a chance to discuss, and I'm sure we'll get more into those as the weeks progress because we didn't get into Green Bay, uh, we didn't get into Minnesota, and those are other teams that are, are worth talking about. Certainly, before you get out of here, Game Four of the Houston Rockets tomorrow. What's your take on the Rockets? Well, y'all might not want to hear this, but I don't think it's too good. I mean, you know, um, I, I, I think that, you know, the problem is, and this this is the problem with this small ball shooting thing, you know, and you and you, you got to be able to, 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 I mean, even though this is a three-point shooting era, right, in the playoffs, you got to be able to take it to the rack sometimes. And that's what LeBron and AD, I mean, that's what they do. They they live in the paint. You you got to say, you got those two guys that can take it to the, and the, and the, and the, and the Rockets don't have, any of that. I mean, you know, you got you got Westbrook who can slash, and, you know, and hit some mid range. But I, I just feel like you know, you they rely too much on the three, 
And, and, and then here's the other thing that you got to pay attention to, and it's the depth issue right now. I mean, you know, the fact that D'Antoni's only playing eight guys, really. His rotation, he's reduced his rotation to basically eight players. And the Lakers are still playing 10. And last night, the bench whooped their butt. Well, you know, no Daniel House last night, which, again, I don't know what that was about. Austin Rivers yeah. didn't give you much. Uh, Jeff Green had a couple turnovers down the stretch that I thought really uh, – he had the missed layup and he had the, the turnover late in that game. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, it may have gotten away from him anyway, but those were two big plays when the game still was, was gettable. I said, I said that this series is a series of the third score. And last night you had a couple guys. I mean, man, Rondo was phenomenal last night. If they get man, that, the they're going to be. Quarter, I'm a playoff Rondo is his new name. I mean, you know, I, I think AD gave that to him last night. Playoff Rondo was something else. And wow, yeah, he yeah. was last night. He he was he, he became the difference in that fourth quarter during that 10-0 and run, you know. But I mean, but I just think that they got they have too much depth, and then they got you know, and like you know, and you need more than Russ and Harden. I mean, like last night, those guys they they contributed what they were supposed to. Uh, one gave you thirty three, one gave you thirty. You, you got to have that third school. Yeah. And, and I thought yeah, that your, the, others, your, your other guys got ten points. I mean, you know. Yeah, and I just think that they have to do a little bit better job of trying to find ways. I thought that they, the Lakers did a great job of guarding the perimeter. They just didn't allow a lot of open threes. Even the threes that they had, for the most part, were really contested. And so now I think that they are really going to have to try to penetrate. But then you got the big guy in Anthony Davis right there who really got in the way uh, on a couple of – I mean, uh, Westbrook scored late in that game on a phenomenal backboard shot. But by and large, it was tough for those guys. They penetrated and they were looking for ways to kick out, and those perimeter shots weren't open. And so I thought both teams defensively did a lot better, although the Rockets better do a better job of stopping that Le- LeBron penetrating right down the middle, you know. So, yeah, it's a lot there. That, though, dude. You, don't, you don't have anybody who can stop that. Well, I think that there are things you can do to cut him off. I think you can run a body at him before like he gets – Well, I think you can run somebody from the perimeter up on him before he gets that momentum and gets started. And, and you know, so you'll kind of maybe uh, double-team him or cut him off before hey, he, he – guess, really, guess what? And guess what happens when you do that? I understand. He, fi- he finds the open man. I mean, LeBron's not a one-trick pony. You can't – Well, okay, can do, so he, – he can, he can think this thing through so well, and he see his court vision is just – off the charts. Okay, so, so well, let me hard, ask you this hard. then. Let me ask you this. So would you rather uh, that LeBron get cut off and dish to an open man shooting a three-pointer or just let him run down the lane? Because we both know the Lakers are not a good perimeter shooting team. So Right, and that's the thing you have to do. You have to with, with the the key to beating the Lakers is, is real simple. You got to be you got to go in with the mindset LeBron's going to get his AD's going to get his. Nobody else can get theirs. Yeah, now they'll have to find a and way that, to stop and, Rondo. And, yeah. and, and so Rondo can't get 21 points. Yeah, man, he was phenomenal last night. Look at LeBron last night. He had 36 points, right? Yeah, man. But he only night. scored seven points in the second half. Yeah, and like I said, he I just thought that the defense the- really told the tale. Because, again, they were tied going into the fourth, and then the, the Rockets just couldn't score for a yeah. long stretch of time. So how can folks reach you on social media so they can get out read you in the Houston Defender? Man, check me out on um, at Terrence uh, on Twitter at, at Terrence Harris. Then on, on the Defender Network, you know, look us up, Google us, whatever you got to do in, in sports, and and you'll see a whole bunch of stuff from us. I mean, or, and from me. So I mean, you can catch me either way. I mean, you know, um, 
and definitely interact with me. Say, hey, what's up? Or something, you know, let me know you're here. <laughs> All right, man. We, hey, as always, we appreciate you. We're going to get our regular visit in, in in the coming weeks, man. We certainly appreciate you. All right, man. I appreciate you, too. Take it easy, brother. I want to thank Terrence for joining us as always. A tremendous writer has written all over the country right now for the Houston Defender. And uh, we certainly appreciate him being part of the special teams unit. Now, we are going to get into all of the NFL predictions on the next podcast on Saturday. Saturday before kickoff of the entire NFL. Now, tomorrow night, the Houston Texans play. So, I do want to get that prediction in. The Texans play the Kansas City Chiefs. And in the grand scheme of things... It kind of doesn't matter who wins. And I say that only because if the Texans win, people around here will be talking about the Super Bowl. But let me remind you of something. Like Santana Dotson, former NFL player, said on this podcast, if you are spotted a 24-0 lead and you still can't win the game, if you can't win under that scenario, what scenario can you pull it off? I don't know how you rebound from that, but again, they had it all right there. Bill O'Brien blew it on several in several ways that were well documented everywhere, including on this podcast. So, but we'll get into that. I think tomorrow Kansas City will in fact win, but there's no way to know. Nobody's had a preseason. We don't know how anybody's looking, and we'll, we don't know how the rookies looking for Kansas City in the backfield. We just don't know. And we don't know about the health totally of Tariq Hill. I know he has some, I want to say some leg issues, some hamstring issues uh, in training camp. So we don't know. We don't know. We don't know if COVID will take some players out. We don't know. We just don't know. We'll find out tomorrow. But I think uh, Kansas City uh, will win the game tomorrow. That being said, it's time for the Lamont Award. I don't want to wish you no bad luck, but I hope your ship sinks. With no lifeboats and no life preservers and a school of piranhas surrounding you, you big dummy. The Lamont Award goes to the player, team, entity, personality, someone in or around the world of sports, usually, uh, that we deem to be the big dummy of the episode. And this one, this is a very, <laughs> this is a, first of all, it's very complicated and it's very delicate. Because we will be talking about the sex life of Odell Beckham. Now, again, I'm not going to get into graphic details. And I'll try to be as delicate as I can be. But So here's the scenario. Let me, let me paint what happened. Twitter is both a blessing and a curse. The best of things and the worst of things all right there. Some of my heartiest laughs have come because of the creativity of the folks on Twitter. However, some things you just can't unsee. And we have one of those situations here. A couple nights ago, Odell Beckham Jr. was trending. Odell, the number one trending topic in the world. Okay, when that happens, you, what did he blow a knee? Did something happen? Did he get arrested? Not that he's a criminal, but just if you're number one in the middle of the night, that usually means something happened. It's not because people are debating Cleveland Browns offense this year. That's not going to get you to the top trending topic in the country in the middle of the night. Turns out, <laughs> unbeknownst to me, I clicked on and there was a video clip of three young ladies talking about, I guess they were spilling the tea, as it were, on the uh sexual preferences or some, some of the some of these desires or fetishes i guess that maybe yeah of 
pro athlete, specifically Odell Beckham. They threw the allegedly in there so they wouldn't get sued. I don't know if that means anything or not. I don't know if that'll provide protection. But the young lady essentially said that Odell Beckham likes a certain thing that combines another thing that you don't usually associate with this thing. (laughs) So if you're confused, you want to stay confused on exactly what I'm talking about. You don't want to know. If you don't already know, you don't want to know. And I am not here to criticize what people like. Whatever you do and whatever you like to do, as long as you're not hurting anybody and they're consenting adults, I, hey man, have at it. That's your thing and do it any way you want. None of my business. And it's, it's none of my business here except that it was made my business by a young lady allegedly involved with Odell Beckham. Now, let me start by saying this. I don't know if it's true. I'm not going to say that it's true, and I'm not going to say that it's not true. But I would think that you would not come out and say what you said. You wouldn't say that <laughs> unless you, unless there was some truth to that. I mean, where, where truth is stranger than fiction, you could have said a lot of different things. And you'd be like, oh, whatever. She doesn't even know. She heard this, whatever, whatever. You would not say what she said unless there was some sort of truth, I would think. Now, again, I'm, I don't know. I, I don't know. And ultimately, I really don't care. And I want to give it to Odell, and it's only because if this is remotely true, or if you even know this young lady, or if you've been romantically involved with this lady in any way, you are a Lamont Award recipient. And I will say this. This is the reason why. I talk about this all the time in life and on the podcast. Know your personnel. If you get out there in a certain way, you have to know your personnel. And apparently, he did not know his personnel because she told everything and then some. Stuff that people didn't even want to know. Now, again, I don't know if it's true. Don't even care if it's true. I just know that I didn't want to hear that. And I didn't want to see that all over Twitter. And because Odell, apparently you don't know your personnel. You didn't know that she was the type to keep it discreet or not. No NDAs there. No non-disclosure agreements. You don't protect yourself from that getting out. If it's not true, I want to see her in court tonight. I want want to see you get an injunction tonight. But in lieu of that, and she didn't sign an NDA, and you don't know your personnel, Hey, Odell, you are a big freak. Oh, I'm sorry. (laughs) You are a big dummy. You big dummy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, again, I am not judging him. I will try to not judge anybody for whatever you do, what you do. It's none of my business. It really isn't any of my business. But she made it our business. And I hope he fixes that because we don't want anything else uh, leaking out and pun not intended. So but I'm saying we don't want anything else involved uh, with knowing about your situation. I just want to know what you do on the field. But that being said, hey, getting out of here. But before I let go, before I let go.
Before I let go, hey, want to thank you guys for listening. Want to thank Dr. Alex Asian. Want to thank Terrence Harris. Want to thank our resident DJ, DJ Anarchy. Of course, our sponsor, Cobank Homes. Want to thank Kalina with Why We Kneel. Want to remind you guys, you can give us a call, 832-941-6614. And, of course, on the WaysWordProductions.com website, subscribe to the email list. And go to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group on Facebook or tweet me on Twitter at Wade's Word. Until next time, as always, remember these four things. Number one, I don't do no favors after 6 o'clock in the evening. Two, I ain't got no money. Three, I'm not harboring any fugitives from justice. And four, bye. <laughs> this has been the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Remember, you can follow him on Twitter at Wade's Word, thank you for listening.